Hello, hello, and welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goomba Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pontier, coming at you with some smooth jazz radio. I got a brand new mic, babe, boys. <laughs> brand new, smooth, clean mic. I hope it's noticeable. I'm working with the Blue Yeti now. But yeah, joining me this week, as always, is Harry Morris, who doesn't have a new mic, and Kyle Rigger-Shown, who also doesn't have a new mic. Yeah, well, like- I, I, got, I got a new mic about maybe four months ago. Does that, it, ago, what so. is your definition of new? Uh, is four months still new? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's new in the context of very expensive to replace. So yeah. <laughs> if, if you were buying like multiple mics a month, then you're Jeff Bezos. You're very rich. You've got a lot of money. So I'm not rich. I can only afford one of these every few years. <laughs> That's fair. But mine is newer, so therefore yes. I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing good. We're all having a lo- nice loosey-goosey Saturday afternoon, evening, morning, across all three time zones. I got some nice rain outside my window right now. It's really, really chill. It's I like foggy. it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Wrap, wrapping up work right now, going into the holidays. Got one more week of work before we just kind of break. And uh, then we don't come back until January. So oh, wow. going nice. to have to figure out what I'm going to be doing with all those two weeks when the world is closed. <laughs> But well, what about- I've, I've got an idea what you might be doing because you recently started a new endeavor. Yes, I have. I, I was going to uh, talk promote that a little bit later. But yes, I have started uh, streaming on Twitch. I had my debut stream last Friday. And so I'm going to be trying to promote promote that and get that up and off the ground. But yeah, stay, stay tuned later in the episode for all the details on that where you can watch me flail on Twitch. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah. That's because OnlyFans didn't work out for you, so you've decided yeah, exactly, to change. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it just, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard uh, entry there's barrier. There's got to be like... It wasn't enough demand. There's <laughs> got to be a porn version of streaming, right? Of like people that's, that just play games, but they're naked. Isn't that OnlyFans? You mean, you mean porn? I, I <laughs> guess, porn. yeah. <laughs> that's called Pornhub. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. like there is a porn version of streaming. It's pornographic streaming. It's a yeah. thing. And I, I do it every week. No, um. <laughs> I'll start. I'll start. I'll start on Twitch, and then I'll be a Hollow Stars EN Generation One. There you just go. you wait. Just you wait. There you go. Bes- besides uh, my uh, gross delusions, what about you, Kyle? How have you been up to <laughs> on the other side of this landmass that separates us? Uh, been good. Uh, I had this past week off because I have PTO that I just found out like a couple weeks ago wasn't going to roll over, so uh, <laughs> I had to take it. Like, That's why I only have one week. Technically, the week after is work also, but I'm just like taking all that off of PTO because mine also doesn't roll over. Yeah, yeah. So I just had this past week off. Uh, got through some games. Uh, most, just really, just a lot of games. Um, slowly working my way through Higurashi. I haven't really caught up with anything new, so I'm like, I'd say like two or three months behind on what's going on with anime. <laughs> but good thing we're not, you know, focusing on the now, mostly. Right, we're we're going to be focusing on the 2011 later on in the podcast, but Kikarashi was not in 2011, that's like 2000. Kikarashi was not in 2011, no, no. A 2009, I'd say, I'm not exactly sure. It's, but yeah, uh, how far are you into the second season now? Two-thirds of the way in. Um, oh, so you're, you're, you're I, I, wrapping I up then. I feel like... I've gotten most of the information that's relevant now. And right, I think you got all the big reveals. It's yeah. all just seeing how it's going to play out with characters making decisions on what they know now. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's a very different 
show. It's a very different show tonally than when I first started, uh, which I think is very impressive uh, in that it goes from being one kind of story to another. Mm hmm. Um, I know, I know exactly what. Yeah. You mean. Does it I, I, does it feel quite seamless with that transition? Oh, oh yeah, as well? oh yeah, oh yeah. You don't even really notice. Uh, yeah, you 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 have, you have to stop and think about. It. It's like, wait a minute, when did the show become like this? <laughs> yeah, and then what's yeah. what's really cool is that I'm at a certain part in the show where it's revisiting like elements of the first part of the show, and it's very different impact wise with all the information that I have now. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's like when you go back and read a book or watch a movie after having read or watched it one time, and you pick up on things that you missed the first time. It's oh, kind of yeah. like oh yeah, the show doing that for you. Oh, yeah. I know that sounds like it handholdy, but it, it's it's meaningful. I will say, and like this it. is maybe mild spoilers, but whatever. At least to where I've gotten in the show, Mion still hasn't used her gun, and that's like yeah. <laughs> kind of upsetting. And that's the that's the biggest mystery. It's like no one ever addresses that it's she's just she just has it okay cool i guess it's just everywhere like, yeah uh, it's uh, it's, it's really really odd it's really really it's a odd. fashion statement yeah it's it's funny so i'm playing uh rikushi 07 who is the original creator and author of higurashi i'm playing i'm not sure if it's his newest visual novel but it's one of his newer ones called ey hime um and it's got his his hallmarks written all over it for sure where it's just like a whole lot of what the fuckery in the beginning and now I'm finally in the parts where like things are making sense mm-hmm. and they're being explained. I will say it's not, it's not handled as gracefully as Higurashi. I'd say it's more like, because whereas in Higurashi, you kind of, un- there's kind of a drive to uncover the answers. Like you see the characters actually have to put an effort to uncover it. And mm-hmm. EY Hime, it's literally this one character that comes forth. It's like, yeah, I've been digging through some history books. And I found all this plot dump now. I'm like, uh, okay. Oh, cool. so there isn't really any mystery. Yeah, it's just like, here's all the answers to everything now. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. uh, all right. But again, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, we have the answers now, but now we have to act on that knowledge. Like, yeah. uh, we, we, it's, it still leaves us kind of where we started. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that ends because I'm still very much invested in it. It's not as, it's not as impactful as Higurashi was for me quite yet, but it's definitely got nice. that Rikishi 07 specialty to it. Harry. What's been up with you over on the other side of the puzzle? Uh, So I recently played all of Code Vein and Mm -hmm. uh, it's really good fun. I really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's a weird game because I I kind of put it off for a long time. When it came out, I wanted to get it, but it was obviously 60 quid. So it's like, uh, I'll leave it for a bit. And, Which, uh, by the way, but uh, sorry to interrupt you. I, I'm curious, do games in the UK, do, do, do their price, prices fluctuate or are they fixed? So um, generally speaking, I'd say like brand new AAA games are going to be £60. Okay, um, so or is. F- 55 to £60, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends. Sometimes a new game will release and it might be £50 if it's maybe like not quite as big. Uh, so it can depend. But I'd say typically it's 50 to 60 for okay. a new game. I was just wondering if it was like Japan where it's just- brand new AAA game would be anywhere between like 3,000 yen to a hundred to 10,000 yen. Oh shit. That, that's wild. a big yeah. difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's, it's, it's usually only like within a 10 pound difference. It's not like a, a huge change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, like, like when it came out, I was like, Oh, I'd like to play that. Cause I was kind of following it before release as well. Um, and the general consensus was pretty good critically, but people weren't saying, Oh my God, this game is amazing. You have to play it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, Oh, it sounds all right, but I'll maybe pick it up in a sale. Um, so I waited and it was on sale for 16 quid recently. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll get it then. 
And uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I would say, because it's obviously like in the genre of like the Soulsborne games, it's probably the most accessible and also the most easy Soulsborne game I've played. Mm-hmm. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's still right. really fun. Um, the story is like just kind of garbage, really. Anime it's, weeb it's, nonsense. A- anime weeb nonsense, yeah. It, it's just very kind of plot heavy, but without really making a sense of much. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's partly my fault. A lot of the cutscenes I just found myself zoning out of. So I know it's partly my fault as well, but I just didn't find it particularly interesting. Uh, but no, it's it's really cool. Um, like the whole game is played with a partner. So like there's someone there to kind of make it a bit easier, but you can turn the partner off and just play it solo. Oh, I didn't which, know you could turn the partner off. Okay. Yeah, you can. So I'd imagine that would then make it like more in line difficulty-wise mm-hmm. with like the Dark Souls games. Right. So that's what's really cool about it. Like it very much has a customizable difficulty. If you're like me and you want the challenge, but you don't want it to be like, absolutely neck breaking then play with a partner but if you want it to be fully fucking difficult then yeah play it on your own but yeah, i'd say like most of the bosses i i think i beat them all like within one or two tries each so it's all pretty quick the only ones that, that were exceptions is there's a boss towards the start of a game that took me about an hour of trying uh but that was just like i think i didn't know the game's mechanics particularly well so that took me a lot of tries and there's a another boss towards the end of the game where you have to fight two bosses at once and uh, that was any game that was really tough but again i did it in like seven tries which Mm -hmm. isn't too bad but it's it was like it was this moment of like oh fuck i need to really try on this one um but no it's it's honestly a lot of fun it's just a really fun game right uh lots to do lots to see so outside of the the partner what would you say is the one uh system or aspect of the game that sets it apart from a soulsborne or makes it different from the soulsborne series I think the obvious thing is that it's like very, very anime inspired aesthetically. Um, There's a lot of environmental variety as well. Like Mm -hmm. you'll go from these big cathedrals to like snowy mountains to like flaming cities to like, I don't know, just just like like lots of different areas that are all very different aesthetically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was really cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Ultimately, like gameplay wise, it's nothing super different. There is a lot of customization you can do there. Like you'll unlock different abilities as you go along and then you can equip different abilities on different like settings. Mm-hmm. So like you kind of build your own character with like different abilities and um, and movesets. But like, it's kind of cool. Like, like, like do you know in, in like the Soulsborne games, if you upgrade a certain stat, that's it. Like it's it's fully set there. Yeah. This isn't like that. Unless you, you use a special like, item, yeah. You've just got like a static upgrade thing. So you just level up level one, level two, level three, and that just like raises all your stats like by mm-hmm. a set amount. So, like, there's less you can kind of fuck up on your character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind it's of more, uh, more, uh, what's the word? A uh, clear or, uh, clear, yeah, clear on its progression in that sense, mm. yeah. Yeah. So, I really enjoy the simplicity and the, like, the, the kind of increased accessibility and ease of it. So, like, I'd say if you're new to Soulsborne games, you've never played one of these games before, uh, Code Vein's a really good place to start. It's nowhere near as hard as like Bloodborne or Dark Souls or anything like that or Sekiro. So if you if you want to check out this kind of formula, but you don't want to like jump in with something really difficult, Code Vein is a really nice middle ground and you can turn the partner off if you're finding it too easy. So uh, yeah, it's a good game. I'd give it a, a, a decent 7 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> There's my review. <laughs> nice. It's de- it's definitely been on my list for a while and I, I might be playing on a stream later on as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you mentioned how... The story is just kind of like forgettable, and that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, that team's next project is Scarlet Nexus, which is coming out on next-gen consoles. That's in tr- 
summer 2021, I think. We just had the Game Awards that came up, gave a window of it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle a full-on action title now because they, they were in charge of the God... God... God Eater. I was going to say God Wars, God Slayers. <laughs> Not neither of those. God Eater series. And then they did Cobain, and which were the two very different styles of game. And now they're going in a different direction again. So I'm interested to see uh, what they pull off here and if they can have a not tropey anime story for once but i'm not holding my breath Either i don't know have you seen it. like footage of the game it looks i have true. i like, have yeah ma- i know main character kind yeah. looks like kirito he does yeah like i'm not holding my breath but it, it would be cool if they <laughs> tried something a little bit different but either way like their games have always been fun from a mechanical standpoint for sure so i'm looking forward to it that forward to that uh, for that reason alone it's probably also the first next gen weeb game that will come out unless tales of Arise somehow comes out before oh, yeah spring, yes. which doesn't uh, look like it will mm, hey no you're wrong uh yakuza like a dragon came out okay that's fair that's fair that's very weeby <laughs> but if you're talking about like hardcore like anime titty weeb yeah scarlet nexus is probably like gonna be the one there yeah it's, it's, I still find it hilarious in that uh, previous gen, so PS4, Xbox One, the first next, next gen JRPG game that came out was Omega Quintet for my DF Factory. <laughs> I, and I, I, I remember playing Omega yeah. Quintet when I first got PS4. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I remember thinking, of like, of all... Of me, all I don't know yeah. if I know the game. Yeah, of all companies to jump onto the next gen bandwagon first, it was Idea Factory. And I just found that <laughs> the funniest thing ever. So I'm glad it was Sega and uh what's uh wait, God Eater's also Sega, isn't it? No, it's, oh, it's, it's Bamco. Bamco, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, Namco Bandai, yeah. Bandai Namco, yeah. I'm I'm glad it was those two this time instead of Idea Factory. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if Idea Factory jumps on it pretty soon though. All right, cool. Speaking of jumping on, it's time to jump right on into some news topics, yeah? Yeah. All right. I I love it when news just falls into my lap. Just like nice gift wrapped with like a nice little greeting card on it with a bow on top of it a few days before the the podcast drops. And that's exactly what happened here. Nice Christmas present before the season start. So back in August, we talked about how AT&T was looking to sell Crunchyroll. Mm Mm-hmm. That happened back in August. And so now we just got news that uh, Sony and Funimation is in the final stages of acquisition for purchasing Crunchyroll at the price of $1.175 billion. Lord. So oh. that is going through now. And you might recall back in August, uh, AT&T was offering or was reportedly offered uh, Sony Crunchyroll for $1.5 billion. So they ha- they supposedly negotiated it down to $1.175 but that is in the final stages of happening now. It is official. Crunchyroll has come out and said it. Sony and Funimation have come out and said it. It's happening. Uh, Crunchyroll, the two biggest anime streaming platforms, will now be under the same umbrella. And so, of course, everyone is super pleased about this. Of course, ev- no one has anything bad to say about this. <laughs> everyone is super stoked about this. No, no, no. Uh, there is a lot of uh, right understandable concern about this and i think we've talked a lot about this last time we talked about this uh this topic when it was only kind of in the rumors and report stage of it but yeah it's uh it's a little scary to have the two biggest platforms under one company it is kind of getting into that monopoly kind of uh situation 
But uh, a lot of people were really bummed when that Funimation and Crunchyroll partnership ended way back when. And so this might be the start of that. Who knows? We Crunchyroll says like, we know you have a lot of questions, but we can't answer them yet. So we don't have any details of what this partnership is going to look like or when it's going to really uh, go into effect, but it, we will see something happen, I'm sure. I think a reasonable expectation to have that I have is that they merge the two catalogs together and raise the price to where it's more than one of them if you're subscribing mm-hmm. individually, but less than both. Like that, because I don't pay for Funimation. I don't have Funimation. Mm-hmm. I like kind of just make free accounts whenever there's a show I really want to watch. Like Snafu? Yeah, like that Snafu. Well, right? yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like Snafu. Yeah, because, well, actually, no, I think that was uh, Crunchyroll. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, that, that's what I, I just make free accounts, but it's like it, the, the convenience of it, you know, I'll pay a little more for the convenience of it. Right. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine, especially I, I, because I am already paying what I pay now for Crunchyroll, and I already know that they do not have a lot of anime that I'm interested in. I'm very much in the same boat where like I, I pay for Crunchyroll, but like the Crunchyroll interface is awful. Like it is that too. so bare bones. That too, Crunchyroll kind of sucks. Uh, just yeah, as yeah. It hasn't updated its interface. I, it's, I don't know when the last time the update it was. I don't remember. Like it still <laughs> looks like a website from like 2010. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure it's exactly it's, the same. It's not a good interface. Um, and yeah, like that anime selection is really patchy, especially in the UK. Like we, we barely get anything. Um, so no, like, like I'd, I'd happily pay a bit more if that bundled Funimation in with it. I've never used Funimation before, but like, I never got a lot of stuff. So I mean, they've got I'm hoping, all, I'm like, hoping it pays off for consumers. They literally got like out. all the shonens. Mm. So there, mm-hmm. there you go, Harry. Yeah. It's yeah, got you this season. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that's the thing. Like if, if that works out, that would really work out for a lot of consumers. Cause I think most people would happily pay a, a couple of extra quid. To know if they're getting all that okay, extra what's content the nightmare, and a better interface. What's the nightmare scenario here? Like, what's the worst that could come from this deal? They delete Crunchyroll. <laughs> like, and just say, nope, you can't watch anything here. They just, they just erase it all oh and God. say, no, we want Funimation yeah. to be the only streaming platform. And I mean, that's fine. Just move all, all the shows over to Funimation. Yeah. No, that, they, they, they yeah. eliminate all the shows too. Oh, okay. <laughs> just a Thanos, a Thanos snap. Oh, right. uh, I think the nightmare scenario would be basically, yeah, it's there's only one subscription option and it costs more than what they would have combined before. That would be the nightmare scenario, mm. uh, which I think a lot of people are rightly, rightfully worried about because, yeah, again, so, uh, those are the two main streaming companies. Out Beyond that, the next closest uh, dedicated anime streaming site you have is High Dive, which really has not taken off at all. And maybe if they do pull that kind of shenanigans, High Dive would have an opportunity amongst disgruntled uh consumers but beyond that you have netflix and amazon where again netflix is putting a more of a endeavor to netflix is definitely catering for a wider audience though if you are if you are an anime fan and are deliberately looking for like niche or new shows netflix is very barren for that right so i i can't say that I'm just going to refer to it Sony for now on. I can't say Sony wouldn't pull that trick. It's not outside the realm of possibility. My gut tells me they won't, though. I, I just, I don't feel like that's something they would do. What I am curious about, though, uh, is 
uh, there are three possible scenarios in this case. So one is they keep the Funimation and Crunchyroll brand separate and they do some sort of combo subscription to that. Or two, they fuse one into the other. So Crunchyroll into Funimation and now this is just Funimation or vice versa, which I couldn't see seeing. Or they fuse them both together and completely rebrand the whole thing into a new kind of service. Funky Roll. Which, funky roll yeah so what what which do you think is more likely to happen of the or do you think something a fourth option no, uh, but name of? name and brand recognition is too high for them to not keep either brand that's what i figured yeah mm. yeah I, I i'd like it if they kind of merged for two um, and they had this one dedicated fantastic streaming service that was reasonably priced that had everything on that'd be great but I could also just see it as being like, they keep them separate and they just increase the prices for separate subscriptions and they just fuck everyone over. That's Which would be like I really see. annoying. Okay, yeah, I didn't, yeah, okay. Because just, at first just literally was, keep, yeah. yeah, just just keeping them completely separate and then just making it really expensive. For at each. first I was thinking, yeah, what would be the point of keeping them separate? That seems redundant to have two service services offering this, two yeah, branches offering Matt, the same service under like the same consumer. umbrella, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't thinking from the corporate standpoint. Yeah, Harry has a point where you could raise the price of both subscription services at that point, which would be very scummy and also one of the nightmare scenarios. It, yeah, because there's just not a single element of that that's thinking, what would our consumers like? Mm-hmm. There's not a single aspect of that decision, but that's what companies I mean, have do. Either, have either Funimation or Crunchyroll been anti-consumer aside from them understandably pulling shows that they wanted to have on their own platform? Right, exactly. That's the thing is that we don't really, in terms of business, business on the anime side of things, we don't have much of a precedent. Obviously, we have a lot of precedents on the gaming side of things for Sony, but they off like it's been well documented that the different branches of Sony operate completely separately mm-hmm. from each other. So you can't base it off of that. So I couldn't really say one way or the other. This is going to be really telling for uh, Sony specifically, and that will be, inform us how they will behave in the future going forward. And even so, nothing's to say that whatever they do decide to go with, that it won't change down the line. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, my ideal from a consumer standpoint, what I would want happen is I would want them to combine and rebrand entirely as a fresh start. I know that's probably the least likely uh, because, as Kyle said, brand power is powerful. But from a consumer standpoint, me personally, that's what I would want. Mm-hmm. What I think is likely to happen. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards keeping them separate now. Jacking up the prices, eh. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure if that will happen, but I think, yeah, keeping them separate, that's seeming more and more likely to me now. Mm. Well, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, it's worrisome times. This, this is the most worrying thing in all of 2020. <laughs> this is definitely, you know what, I am thankful that this is the most worrying thing I've heard this week. <laughs> in terms like of yeah. like big thing. Although, you know... This, I, is, this is the biggest news of all 2020. This is the biggest threat we're facing. I have also very deliberately oh. stayed off social media for the past week because I don't have to be there because I'm not working. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm just kind of out of the loop. So yeah. do, you feel, do you feel better for it? Uh, I'll get back to you. I can hear you. the I'll internal conflict. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Yeah, I can hear the internal conflict on that question. <laughs> um, another aspect that I wanted to bring up, and this is something we talked about before, is how Crunchyroll has been pushing more to 
produce anime shows, kind of like how uh, mm-hmm. Netflix has been producing shows. So all those Crunchyroll originals that you see come out. And so uh, they haven't been able to do a whole lot of that. Like Dr. Stone was one of them. And I love Dr. Stone. Looking forward to more of that. And then you had something like uh, God of High School, which is not so hype. Uh, <laughs> so I, I wonder what the backing of Sony, if they'll be able to do more of that now. And also vice versa, if whatever expertise that might be on Crunchyroll's and if they could help Sony again, uh, then on help them produce anime on their front. And if that will, if we'll see kind of this uh, groundswell of quality in anime production come out. So I, I'm curious about that because a lot of Netflix produced anime recently, like Great Pretender, which I could go off on, has been really, really good. So I would like, it would be neat to see that kind of effect come out. And it would the side effect to that would be a globalization of the anime industry as well. It'd be fascinating to see. I think like, again, it could be an upside of like, if you're getting better production values and better series, the globalization element, I'm always just very critical or skeptical of globalization. Mm-hmm. You can sometimes kind of ruin the communities or the subcultures of certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd, it's weird. On the one hand, part of me always wants anime to be more well-known and more mainstream. At the same time, I just hate every time I see like a Hollywood live-action anime adaptation, a bit of me dies inside. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to live in a world where that's more than it is already. Um, I don't want to live in a world where American animation companies are making series saying, look at our new anime, missing the point that anime means Japanese animation. And if you're an American company, you you physically can't do that. But already you're having that happen. It, it just, America ruins everything. America just, <laughs> just ruins everything. And it just all the time, like, America's the annoying kid in class at school where like, Anything that gets mentioned there, like, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to be the main one, I want to be the main one, all the time. You just want to say, shut the fuck up and sit down, it's their turn now. But America can't do that. Fuck America. Anyway, um, I'm getting off off track. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned how anime means Japanese animation, so that brings us to our next topic of uh, the first trailer for Studio Ghibli's first CG film, Ooh. Earwig and the Witch, has released... And I asked you to this because I, I sent the trailer to you two before we started recording. I said, watch this. Don't give me your impressions. We'll talk about it on the podcast. So, Harry, you were just talking about how Japanese anime means Japanese animation. <laughs> uh, would you consider this has that anime feel to it? Did, you, did this movie so, scream anime to you? So, you so this, is, this is made by, this is animated by Studio Ghibli, isn't yes. it? So this is Studio yes, Ghibli, 100%. Yes. Um, yeah, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's technically an anime. Yeah, yeah. Is, so for obviously, for people who don't know, Studio Ghibli have done like all sorts of two D anime films. How can you not years. know who Studio? Yeah, Ghibli I'm assuming we're I'm an anime podcast, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Harry. I'm assuming people know. Get out of uh, here. But the point is, this one's a, a CGI three D movie. The thing about like CGI animation for me is that like it can look good, but only when it's done to the highest possible quality. Mm-hmm. Like. Okay, if you look back to, like, the American CGI movies, there's a lot now that look fucking awful. Like, like, Shark Tale. It, it's it's horrible. Oh, I know that one. It's terrible. It's one of the worst films ever. But, uh, okay, even if you go back to, like, Pixar's one of the few companies that have done CGI animation consistently well. And even then, if you go back to old Pixar movies, you can see issues with them. Um, like, if you go back to Toy Story 1, for example, obviously, like, it's an incredible film. It's a masterpiece. But 
you can see how dated the CGI is. But like that was done by people who were like leading the industry. But I just feel now like if you're doing CGI, unless you're like throwing so much money and budget at it, don't bother because it will look bad. It will age poorly. And this is why I'm, I don't like it anywhere near as much as 2D animation because you can watch like The Jungle Book from like, I don't know, the 40s or the 50s. I can't remember when The Jungle Book was made. It, it might have been 60s or something, but it, yeah, it's I probably 1960s. I would argue like, that the issue isn't with the medium that they're using, but it's that there's like, they're not doing anything with it. Um, right. Yeah. The, yeah. the way yeah. that the trailer Hit presents the movie is that it's everything's very flat and rigid very uh, sterile it's very stiff yeah so like even if you do go back to you know a movie like toy story sure some of it might be dated uh just in terms of like rigging uh animation uh voice capture and stuff like that but it's still stylized in a way where it can still hold up you're in the mm. witch just looks bad um, and I would not put that at the like feet of the technology that they used, but entirely with the artists that used it, or in this yeah, case, yeah. failed to understand how to use it. And I want to reiterate, CGI can be phenomenal. Like, like we've seen that countless times of Pixar, it can be incredible, but it's so easy to fuck up is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's so easy to get it wrong. And to have it so it ages appallingly. I don't even know about easy to get it wrong. It's just people don't know how to get it right. Uh, because right. it is I'm... like a, a burgeoning medium. Um, and that's why like even with like other CG stuff, when something does come out that's like all CG and looks really good and very fluid, it is like very noticeable because people are still kind of experimenting there. It's the same thing when cartoons first came out. It's the same thing with VR technology right now. Uh, it's just, People, creators, artists aren't caught up with the technology yet because they're still figuring out. I, maybe I'd argue that there is a little less room to excuse that for CGI just because it's been around for 30 plus years at this point. Yeah. Um, I'd say the big, the, the biggest thing for me with the trailer is that it's Ghibli. So I think we have a reasonable that, yeah. expectation for quality. Yeah, so basically when I when I before I clicked on this trailer, I I set my expectations like okay, from a technical perspective, I'm not expecting much. Like I I think it's going to be the bare minimum of what CGI can offer from that standpoint because it is Ghibli's first time using using it for a full feature film. They have used CGI for assistance here and there in their past films just like they blended in really well. So like there's going to be growing pains. I accept that. However, to your point, this is Ghibli and they understand animation and how to bring animation mm -hmm. to life. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping to see that translated over here into their trail to this new movie, where even if from a technical standpoint, the CGI isn't up to snuff, like it is inspired and it brings There's something no to the table style. that we haven't necessarily it seen. There is no style. No, yeah. Like there is a lack of art direction, which is not yeah. something that technology can fix. Yeah, exactly. It, it is just, it, there's none of the small details that you, Ghibli is known for and the character designs and their outfits and their movements. Uh, like, the movements... Even the colors, everything yeah. just looks, like, dull it's, and brown. Yeah. It, it, there's, no, know, like, there's no gradients. Do you know there's really, like, weird little kids YouTube Yeah, that's videos. exactly what no, I thought like when I saw the Terrible 3D animation companies where they're just churning it out. Yeah, 
yeah. it looks like that. And it's just, yeah, like, I don't know how to articulate my original point about CGI, but like, like I'm not anti it. Like, it can yeah. look amazing. Like, like, especially modern Pixar stuff is phenomenal. And if you go back to like older Pixar stuff, you at least know that's the best CGI could have looked in that era. But even like, then, like, like, uh, like uh, yes, I understand the concession for this is what was capable, what they were capable of at the time. But I would argue that even if you look at some of the older Pixar stuff, it still holds up because they had a sense of like direction that they wanted sense, to take their yeah, art and aesthetic and their look. Yeah. Like they knew what it yeah. wanted to look like. Yeah. So I guess I, my, my point more so is like if you go back to like a 2D animated movie like The Lion King or something in the 90s, you watch that, that could have been released last year. Like, like that's how well 2D animation can hold up by contrast. Like, it doesn't age anywhere near as fast. Yeah, but you're also taking, like, a compare, like a 30-year comparison for, like, at the time, animation was already, like, 50 to 60 years old. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah, was, course, like, yeah. the first few years of CGI animation. So I'd argue, yeah, like, yeah. if you're looking at stuff right now... And maybe if you compare it to, like, CGI stuff that comes out, like, 10, 20 years from now, I'd probably wager that they're going to look okay. Or at least, like, there's not going to be a huge difference. Because there is a lot of good CGI that's coming out now. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I've been skimming through the trailer again one more time. And the other thing I noticed that really just makes the whole thing dull is lighting. Yeah, there, yeah, there is yeah. basically no dynamic so lighting flat. in this it's entire so trailer. Yeah, except for this one scene that like looks like a concert, which of course you have to go. But like other than that, they have the exact same lighting filter on like every single scene in this trailer. And is, I feel like uh, I'm, yeah, I'm hyper aware of that now. One, because of with me streaming and I understand the importance of having good lighting to make me look good on camera. And two, uh, after the Halo Infinite gameplay reveal back at, I can't remember exactly when. Uh, and that people were complaining, it doesn't look that great. And there was a whole, uh, what, stu- found, what's that one YouTube channel that does the tech analysis? Uh, digital uh, Foundry. Uh, digital Foundry, yeah. There's a Digital Foundry video on, it doesn't look that great because the lighting is not great. And they broke it all down like, oh, wow, that yeah. makes a so huge it's difference. Actually interesting. That's the case so here. If we're on the yeah. topic of like 3D modeling and like CGI animation and stuff like that, Halo Infinite is actually a really good example because that original trailer that got released was very like, ooh. And I still like the way a lot of it looked. I did like the slightly cartoony vibe that they're going back for yeah. that Halo 1 clean. had. But yeah. if you, the, like the, the, the Halo team actually just released like a devlog like this past week where they were like, all right, we understand where we're at right now, yada, yada, we are going to take another year because we really want to make this game good. And they showed some like shots and like in progress work of like the game as it's running, as you're playing the game. And the big difference really is with lighting. Like it makes the colors pop. It gives models definition. It gives things depth. Um, It makes everything just come out of the screen and gives everything that it makes use of the fact that 3d, objects inhabit a 3d space mm-hmm. and it doesn't Absolutely. just like put props in a room right Which yeah is what in, that trailer in this case like, like <laughs> yeah this trailer it just looks like yeah it, yeah exactly what you say it's just put props in a room and then stick a camera in front of them they didn't put thought into how to present those props properly <laughs> uh I, I i don't know if that's something that can be changed because the whole point of cgi is that you can change it on the fly 
I'm not sure if that is something that will be improved. Like, I've never really followed the development of a CGI movie before. Like, I know Mm. outside of the Mm. Sonic movie where they completely redid Sonic (laughs) because of the outcry. Like, that was an extreme case. I don't know how common it is. Like, do people look back at earlier trailers and CGI movies and compare them to the final product? And they're like, oh, this is different from that. Like, is that a thing? Do you guys know that? I've, I've never heard of it. Yeah. I, I think Sonic was again one of those rare cases because it was potentially just going to completely fucking flop because, yeah. because of that. I um, don't, what is the Japanese reaction to this movie? I have not looked into because it. Because I doubt Ghibli would care about a bunch of salty English-speaking <laughs> fans. So they're actually, the main thing that, that Ghibli looks to is our podcast. Um, <laughs> for feedback so like i know they're going to be changing it as we speak right Please now change it hi miyazaki is, cry- is crying in his bathroom like he's devastated so yeah um that's how it works of course uh no i, I just why are they using cgi over 2d animation out of interest i i i, I get that they would want to experiment with it i get that would they would want to give a shot at it but um, w- and- would they not do like a short movie if they wanted to experiment that's why not i think do, like, would a be a more movie? reasonable yeah. like I want to do it like a 20 minute movie forward. on YouTube. I feel like I feel like they did have a short film at their museum. Like if you go to the Ghibli Museum, they have a rotation of short films on right. display that isn't available anywhere else. Oh, and I think yeah. some of the films in there are CG now. Uh, okay. um, so I believe they have experimented with it and this mm. is their first go at a full feature length film. Okay. All right. Well, those experiments didn't work. <laughs> yeah, they, they haven't learned enough from that, yeah. supposedly. I, guess, like, I could be wrong. The, I, I I don't know for sure. But the I only thing I could say is that, like, these... The trailer looks like it was an in, in prog. <laughs> yes, shit. It looks like it was in, an in-progress piece of work. Because yeah. what you could do is, like, uh, like you brought up earlier, Matt, like... The the process behind CGI is that the very basic pipeline is that you you get a rough sketch of things, you rig things very basically, you you know get the color and textures on there, and then lighting is typically like one of the last things to get baked in. Uh, mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe they were just like, oh god, we need to like uh, release something now uh, to appease somebody. Uh, so they pushed it out, hello. and they're like, oh god, this doesn't have lighting. Lord help us. Like, maybe, I don't know. But I, I think beyond that, the animation itself was just kind of stiff, too. Mm. So, I don't know. It's not looking so hot, but uh, let's let's see how it develops. Let's see how it comes on. I think all we can agree on is at this point, it's like, we wish it was better. Yes. We really mm. wish it was better. <laughs> uh, I will, mm. maybe the final, pro- I don't think we, we don't have a release date on this yet. I don't believe so. So... I will be interested in checking it out once it does come out, but not super hopeful. Oh, yeah. And by the way, this isn't directed by Hao Miyazaki. This is directed by his son, Goro oh, Miyazaki. Right. Uh, this is one of his first after okay. Well, Hao Miyazaki little... should disown his son. I feel like oh, that's boy. already like kind of a running joke. <laughs> oh, really? That uh, he's disappointed by his son. So, but I think that'd be, that'd be quite amazing if Hao Miyazaki like, went down as this legend of animation and then his son was regarded as like the worst animator uh, like like the complete i mean opposite. i feel for the guy like how do you like live in yeah. that in your dad's shadow like that especially if you go into the same yeah. line yeah. of work 
the same the studio. Same studio as that. I mean, yeah, in in, in fairness, he's probably thought I want to do something different to my dad, and I don't want to like step on his toes, so I want to like do CGI. But it's like that's fine. Just do it right. Do it well. Yeah. Like like do a great job and, and reference reference Pixar. Mm. Reference like yeah. pin, the well, pinnacle of the genre. Yeah. This is their first go at it, and I'm sure they'll have. Well, actually, I'm not sure if they'll have another go at it. But if they were to have another go, I would like to think they would learn and grow mm. from it. Uh, le- nice little uh, funny detail I noticed that even though the character's name is Earwig, that's the ma- uh, main little girl's name. If you listen to the trailer, they, it's pronounced Aya, which totally sounds like Earwig. <laughs> Absolutely. Aya. All right. Moving on. We Kyle and I wouldn't be uh, shrimps if I didn't oh, talk Lord. about this uh, new story real quick. So... Uh, Hololive Indonesia second generation has now debuted. Uh, we got our little zombie Kureji Ali, who is a zombie girl risen from her grave. She headed home relying on memories retained from when she was alive. Upon arriving, she discovered it had turned into a ramen shop. And so in order to reclaim her house, she decided to become a YouTuber. She looks straight out of uh, Zombieland mm. Saga. Like you could slot her into Zombieland Saga and she wouldn't look out of place at all. Uh, she's the only one debut stream I've checked out so far. She's got that really hyper Kiara energy to her. Then you got uh, Anya Melfisa, an ancient weapon known as a Karis. She was granted human form through a mit- mystical ritual performed by her master. She's just about always sleeping or playing games. Living mostly alone for so long has made her tend to be apathetic towards things and people she's uninterested in. But when talking about things she likes, she could be quite childlike and passionate. And finally, we got Pavolia Rain, or Rene, I'm not sure, Lady of the Peafowl, while studying at the Magic Academy, she was involved in an incident and transferred to the human world. Since then, she was, uh, has been unable to use much of her magic. Although appearing elegant and calm, she can become very emotional and angered. So yeah, those are the new talents in the Hall of Life. Uh, Harry is so thrilled about it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just zoning out. I'm just thinking about other yeah. stuff. How long will it be yeah. before like there's a really sort of low-budget anime series made about them? Uh, I'm not... I- like an like an, think, an anime yeah. about streamers. Yeah. Whereas like, oh, the protagonist is like, she's okay. a genius. She can she can read for stream. Well, there <laughs> is, <she> can, <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Like, okay, there, there was a thing. Really got me, Harry. There was a thing recently. Oh my god. There was a thing recently. So, so I, I I love music production. I love oh DJing. And an anime series oh. recently is about mm. DJing. Oh, D four DJing. And I watched the first. Yes. Yeah, so I watched great. the first episode and. Uh, there were moments of accuracies, there were moments that were a bit weird, but like the ending bit of the episode was like this leading protagonist girl could like somehow like perfectly beat match two songs or whatever. And and, and like and, and this other girl was like, it's amazing. She can actually see the music. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like <laughs> that's that's it just really, really irks me, stuff like that. Cause it's just like there's I, it sounds hypocritical to say it's not realistic. And oh, I'm like, of course it's not realistic because okay. it's anime, but I just, it just feels <clears throat> stupid. It just feels dumb. Well, anyways, how did we get here? Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> this is a fun time. Anyways, tangent. stay tuned for our, our VTubers. That's right, VTubers. Later on. <laughs> right, anime fucking right. music streaming VTuber thing. Like, all right, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll check them out, more of them out later. Uh, so... There's a topic that I wanted to talk on, get, touch on briefly because we just had the video game wars that happened on mm-hmm. Thursday night where uh, Last of Us Part Two won Game of the Year and a few other things. And a lot of really cool game announcements came out of that. So we got Sephiroth and Smash, mm. which is wild. Yeah, what yeah. a timeline we live in. We have uh, Van Diesel and Arc 2. 
It's just like, this is a crazy, crazy ass show. Uh, it, it got me thinking though, is like video games, like the culture surrounding it, it's all about those kinds of events for reveals and premieres and things like that, that get people really mm-hmm. excited. And I'm just wondering if if it's the, at all possible to have that kind of fervor for events that like has those kinds of reveals for anime. would be uh, the Crunchyroll Awards, so, right. So that's what I was going to touch on is like the closest you could say right now is the Crunchyroll Awards. However, that is far and away what is what I'm kind of like getting at here because the Crunchyroll Awards is it's very much just the awards and the winners and they might have like a new show announcement here and there. But it's like I was I, skimming through mm-hmm. this past year's awards is like season two of Slime. Or just like more Doctor Stone. I was like, cool. Yeah, we I knew would that already. Argue that, and I think to its benefit, the anime industry isn't built on hyping, uh, really. Right. And if you were to com- like, anime, the anime industry structures its relationship with its fandom. I would argue a lot better than the video game industry does. Uh, just because, well, pre-COVID, you know, we had, like, you didn't go to anime award shows, you went to anime conventions. And those were, like, just mm-hmm. so prevalent. Uh, whereas, like, you'll you'll have, like, BlizzCon, or DreamHack, or uh, PAX, and, like, very big tentpole events. But it's, like, you go to these anime conventions kind of, like, pretty regularly. Um, to the point where, like, I know that there are people that just convention hop. Um. So it's a lot more understated, I think, especially because the products in the anime industry don't spend nearly as much time in the oven. Right. Yeah. Which makes me, I'm always curious because sometimes we hear about shows or movies, despite that, like a year or so in advance. Oh, you mean like Zombie Night Saga and Eurocamp? Yeah. But even then, like uh, brand new shows as well that uh, aren't getting second like, aren't a second season or something. I'm blanking on an example right now. Uh, oh, like, uh, Mushoko Tensei, uh, Jobless Reincarnation. The anime for that was announced, like, ages ago. And we're finally getting that this coming season. So I'm curious, again, if there isn't that necessar- necessity for a hype cycle, why do some of them still get announced so far in advance like that? It is curious. Uh, I, I'm also wondering if... If there can ever be a show that can generate that kind of nuclear, not nuclear meltdown hype, but it's just like, I feel like there's never a whole lot of hype around anime announcements. It's just like, it happens. And part of that is because it's so hard to know when an anime is going to be good, yeah. even with yeah. a good trailer. Yeah, that's, that's another fair thing. Yeah. And especially... I, I, I feel like there's, there's the exceptions. Sorry, Kyle, I interrupted you, but I feel that like there are exceptions where shows have generated such big followings over the years. Mm. So like the announcement of like the final Attack on Titan season was obviously right. huge in the sense of like, it has such a big fan base waiting for that announcement and waiting for that trailer. Mm. Um, so I think that one's special too, because the manga itself isn't ending. It's just the mm. anime that's ending. Yeah. But go on. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so no, that was all I was going to say. Um, it was just uh, like, you do get exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, I agree. Like there's not anywhere near as much hype as a video game industry. 
and the video game awards um mm-hmm. unless there's like those exceptions of this show has generated like a big following over the years and this announcement is going to be a big deal for that following i would say the big mm-hmm. difference between the anime slash manga industry and the video game industry is that you have a much wider diverse pool of big series uh, whereas, you know, with video games, you're kind of expecting it from the same people. You got Naughty Dog, you got Rockstar, you've got Bungie, you've got uh, 343, you, you've got all the t- typical, like, big budget. And, like, you don't really get new IPs anymore, but with the anime and manga industry, you will have, like, a bunch of series that are either new or old um that have been running or are just starting to run that like will quickly develop their circles of hype i think a difference there though as well is uh for the animes uh industry specifically however is you say we get new series however they're not really that new because 90 oh, yeah, percent of the time they are based off a manga yeah. or a light novel and because of that like you would get some sort of buzz or hype like if if it was good if it was a good light novel or manga you would get a sense of that probably if you participate in the community. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it's not a total yeah, unknown yeah, yeah, yeah. variable. Exactly, exactly. And like I would say that you, in terms of like unabashed like hype, uh, just from everybody involved, I think the only ones I can really think of, at least off the top of my head, are Berserk. Uh, but that also has like the 20 plus year prestige to it. Uh, where mm-hmm. it just has developed its own culture in terms of like not even just reading it, but like engaging with the community and like being a Berserk fan. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's definitely nothing like nearly as big as like nothing has like gotten nearly as big as like the cyberpunk hype. Although I guess mm. you could say that for right, video yeah. games as well. But Sp- speaking of, so like. I've not played Cyberpunk yet, but apparently it's very, very glitchy. I have yes. put unrelated. In- Moving on, unrelated. But I'm just gone on enough tangents this episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but similar to that is like I'm just I'm just wondering if there will ever be that kind of anime announcement that like the Sephiroth trailer where I just see that and I go, "Holy fucking shit!" The this only is way happening. they could this do that, thing. I think, yeah. is if you brought somebody or like a team back together that. Nobody ever like if they dropped Panty and Stocking season two, that would make me lose my shit. Right, or if we suddenly got Spice of Wolf season three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think, but I, I guess those is, are all like yeah. sequels, right? Or like yeah, like exactly. Following That's seasons. what. I, yeah, what I'm getting at is like, how do you drop an original series and generate Maybe, hype for it? Because some of the best yeah. anime ever have been like Madoka or. uh great pretender recently like some of the greatest of all time have been yeah. originals and it's really hard to convey that greatness in just a trailer i think because like mm. they're hmm, they're like when you compare to video games they're a much smaller time investment so and, and they're not charging you like when you view they're charging you for the plot like they make their money right. from the platform so they don't mm. need to convince you to consume their media Right, that's a like, very good point. Cyberpunk's very good success point. is largely due to its marketing. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, it was just an interesting thought I had while watching the Game Awards. I don't think it's necessarily a good or bad thing the anime industry is how it is right now. I, I was just thinking, it's like, why Why couldn't it be like I this? I would is rather it I I think not there was a, be yeah. like well, the video game I, industry. If I, I, I guess also, okay, 
thinking about it, so like with video game companies, especially like AAA companies, they don't release games anywhere near as often as anime studios animate various series. So mm-hmm. like I would argue something that was quite hyped was BNA Brand New yeah. Animal because Trigger has, has got a bit of a following to it. So obviously mm-hmm. when they announce a brand new Trigger original, that has like some hype to it because it's Trigger. It's, it's a kind of a, a sort of fan favorite studio. And it's the same with like CD Projekt Red are like, we're doing a new game, it's Cyberpunk 2077. And people are like, oh shit, they make The Witcher. So like there's that following there. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess like, for example, like Bones can't do that because Bones so, funnily source, enough, as, as do Madhouse. Mm-hmm. So like, I guess that's kind of how it is. Yeah, I, I think people get more hype for studios and what they come out with. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, BNA is a really good example of like the problem with hype and buying into it is I was like, oh yeah, Studio Trigger, I love all their work. Uh, this like sounds like a really cool concept. Like I really like the look of it. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. And then I got into it and it's like, this is kind of not, like it's okay. It's just okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's better that hype doesn't exist in the anime industry. I am really glad mm-hmm. because hype ruins <laughs> a lot about the video game industry. Yep, and I think the other, we won't spend too much on this, but the other interesting thought I had too is how we have the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, which is an English-speaking Western show, yet there is no equivalent kind of show in Japan. Like, there are individual magazines and there are festivals that give awards, but there's no kind of equivalent award show for anime. And it's just interesting how... We got that in the West first before I, we got it. Okay, the so my, my last closing point yeah. here is I'd argue that the anime slash manga industry is built on fan work in terms of like the, like the mm-hmm. fan creation culture there is a lot stronger than like it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the, the most comparable example would be the indie dev scene for video games. All right. So we were just talking about how some of the most prominent and impactful anime of all time were original shows. And so we're just going to get right into our Shitsumon, and we're continuing our trip down history lane of the past decade. So last episode, we talked about uh, the year 2000. Now we are on 2011. Uh, so what shows really made a splash at the time? Why do we remember them to this day? And starting right off the bat, winter 2011, January premiere, Puella Magi, Madoka Magica. I, for, oh, for some reason, premiered. I always have that in my head as a 2013 show. But 2011. Interesting. I, I don't know why. It's why. like two years difference. It's like whatever. Oh. So I, yeah, I, I, I will always remember it's that year because that's also the year that the, uh, the earthquake disaster happened. And because, because of that, the last two episodes of Madoka got delayed. Oh, and so we, there was like a three or four week gap between episode 10s. And when the, the flip side was that episode 11 and 12 got released simultaneously, but there was a long gap and episode 10 was a game ch- or episode 11 was a game changer that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And then you have the final episodes. Yeah. I will always remember that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Madoka came out of nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. That and must did, have did, people. Cause like, I, I watched it afterwards on DVD, but like okay. over time, if you were watching that and then you get to episode three, that must've just been like, fucking right. So that was my question. Yeah, so Harry, you so. didn't watch it while airing. So Kyle, did no. you watch it well, while I, airing? Mm-hmm. I watched part of it and then I lost steam and then like I only really fully mm-hmm. watched it like last year. So Madoka was, I think, the first show that really brought me into I, engaging with the anime community, I think, where I was actively participating on message boards 
on speculation on what would happen ever, on episode to episode. And we were all doing like this investigated mm -hmm. detective work. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with the death clock theory. You talked about it. You, I think, it we, we talked about Madoka like in an early episode on the podcast and you mentioned that. Yeah. Right. So there's this wild theory that everyone was convinced about, like the clock in Madoka's room, like the way it pointed on the, after the third episode hit, it's like, okay, depending on what the time the clock is showing, that's going to tell you who's dying next. And that was a total red herring. Like people were going nuts with speculation and mm -hmm. what would happen in this show. And it was just because it was a show that uh, really deserved that. It was this out of left field magical girl show from Gen Urobuchi who had penned freaking Sayana Uta. And what else had he done before that at that point? I think that was his one major claim to fame before Madoka. Um, but he was still really well known for just like these really grim, dark stories. <laughs> and the hilarious part leading up to Madoka, uh, which I was not part of, but there were people that were, is like the promotion of Madoka, Ginner Butch is like, I want to just make a, a laid psych. back, fun, magical girl show. Yeah. <laughs> psych. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Did, when you guys... Eventually, when did you guys eventually watch this? Like, how long after? Uh, did it for me, it would have been a few aired. years later. I can't remember exactly when, um, but it was quite an early, like when I'd started watching anime, it was quite an early one for me, I think. So you'd say like 2014, 2015? Yeah, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, that was when I like first made the, I watched like half the series um, and then just didn't continue it. Uh, but that, that was like around 2013, 2014 or so. Mm hmm. So when, when you were going into it, had you heard anything about the show? Or like, did you just think like, oh, I, I think this the, is a popular the mystery one. was a bit lost on me because I had constantly seen it recommended as like a, not, not in these exact words, but the, I, I definitely got the impression that it was a bit of a mind fuck kind of show. Mm -hmm. That was all I knew about it going in. Um, and I think to its benefit, it does a really good job of making you forget about it. Right. Um, of like, it, 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 it compartmentalizes yeah, it, all it, of it its does, various It does the same thing that Hirorashi does, where like the first like few episodes are just a bunch of like slice of life stuff with like maybe the occasional like ominous like undertone or vague hint, but it goes like right back into slice of life stuff to where you forget that like it's a thing that like the show is going to like rip your heart out. <laughs> so Harry, what had you heard anything about the show before you watched um, it? Like what, what brought you I've, to it? I think show? I might've heard it was like dark, but I can't quite remember exactly. Yeah. I, I think I knew there was like a twist to it. I knew that there was like a dark element to it. Okay. But like, no, beyond that, I didn't really know too much. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And I also want to say that like, the opening to Madoka Magica is one of the catchiest, oh, yeah. iconic, the catchiest fucking iconic. openings ever. Like that's yeah. what, yeah. Or no, it wasn't. I was that was uh, or Evo, which we talked about last episode. But yeah, that was what really cemented Claire's his popularity in the uh, Anna song circle for sure. Mm. So yeah, you two, you have to put yourself in my shoes back in 2011, January 2011, when this show premieres, and I think the only reason I watched it is because I was going through the list of new shows because I just started watching seasonal shows, and it's an anime original. I'm like, oh, that's rare. Okay, let's give it a shot. And I was I was coming off my Sailor Moon kick at that time as well, I think, so I'm like, okay, anime original, Magical Girls, let's go. And I had no idea. Mm. <laughs> I had no, no one had any idea. And so we're going through the first two episodes. I'm like, wow, this is like, 
some really unique animation. It's really trippy and it's interesting, but it's still got like, and we talked about this before, how when it comes down to it, Madoka is still a magical girl show. Um, and then episode three hits. <laughs> <laughs> like, just imagine that. If you had no idea about any of these show whatsoever and you watch episode three, I was just, an, I my mind completely emptied. I thought there was some sort of joke. I thought there was going to be some sort of magic that brought... I think the statue of limitations is pretty much up on the spoiler. Yeah. Like mommy mommy gets killed, and I'm just like, she's gonna come back, right? She's not actually dead, right? Like that that's not what happened. And then like, okay, I'm waiting for the next episode. What's and then she's just gone. She's just gone for good. Mm. And the really brilliant part about that scene too was just how nihilistic it was. There it was instant. She's gone instantly. Um, there was no like last words or any like encouragement to the people she left behind. She was completely eviscerated in an instant and that is really what if you're going for the shock factor of a show i think that really is what you needed to do otherwise you kind of undercut the uh the impact you're going for mm. and that really cemented is like we are not afraid to go to these kinds of lengths to uh tell our story about like what these girls are going through what and that that story turned out to be a story of trauma and uh just horrible, horrible hardships and horrible conditions that evolved brilliantly through brilliant pacing. And it was something that none of us saw coming at that time. Uh, and it's something that hasn't quite been replicated since, I think. Mm. Yeah, like, I, I mean, there's, there's been plenty of shows with twists, but I think to have a twist of that scale and to have it work so well and to have the ending show be like that high quality... Yeah, all sorts of shows have tried to kind of emulate that kind of formula change since. But I, I think mm -hmm. Madoka Magica just executed it so well in a time when no one else was really doing it. Right. And I, the thing is, like, I wouldn't even really think of it as a formula change in a weird way. Because, like I said, the, the first two episodes, they were slice of lifey and they were magical girly. But in the end, I was still like, this is weird. Like, this is oddly dark. Mm. Uh, for a magical girl show. So when that twist happened, it seemed consistent. It wasn't just out of nowhere, like uh, the closest example I can think of is School Live. And I love that show, but that that twist there, that was very sad. It's like, and now we're mm. here. There was no warning whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. Um, which, I guess the more yeah. I'm watching Higurashi, the more I'd equate that watching experience to having like my, my time through Madoka. Um, because... Mm -hmm even though the show starts off like being very slice of life and stuff. And like, of course I'd heard that it's like a mind fuck of a show or series. Um, I went into Higurashi and like when it did get over to the darker stuff, it did so seamlessly, but still in a way that I was shocked that I was shocked how it was happening. Not that it was not that yeah. it was happening. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's like, again, like when, what mommy's death scene it was just how sudden it was. I think how, for, I was for shocked me, by how the, the it happened. biggest yeah. impact that the show left with me, where it had that like very very dark moment, uh, but totally made sense within every and the way the story had been progressing was, you know, this is the big spoiler. But like when Homer goes fucking crazy and locks Monica in a fucking time bubble, I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. I get that's <laughs> like why she's doing that. But wow, that's really kind of fucked up. I remember the scene also that kind of stuck with me is when you 
learn about the true nature of the soul gems and how it happens and like the ultimate fate of these mm-hmm. girls that they're trapped in is like and well, it was funny too because it was kind of like a rule of threes because you had mommy's death in episode three you had that revelation in episode six and then you had uh I say it's a big revelation, but I'm hearing exactly what happened. But there was another big revelation that happened in episode nine, and then there was 12. So it was like every three episodes, there was something like mind-blowing that happened. You you gotta keep them going. And that's what I do appreciate about Higurashi is that like every, the first like five or six episodes are admittedly very slow, but I think that's because you don't know what's going on. But once you get a Mm -hmm. vague bearing of what is happening and like the backstory of everybody, like once you get into the series proper, it's like every two to three episodes is just something new. Um, and that's what I did like about right. Monica was that it was, it didn't just rely on shock factor. It knew when to put those shocking moments in. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a lot of things that some of these modern shows try and replicate it like uh, magical rule raising project or uh, what's the other one that came out that was dark. Uh, Yuki Yuna is a hero. It kind of, they kind of missed the point in mm-hmm. that regard. Like you can't just go for shock value. You have to have something mm-hmm. backing up. And those are still okay shows, but didn't rival anywhere. Um, Monica. I was going to say, by the way, uh, so I've not seen Madoka Magica for about eight years. So a long time. Um, I have, mm-hmm. there's like three DVDs, three movies, I think. And the first two retail mm-hmm. the events of the series. And the third one is brand new. Right. Um, should I yeah. rewatch the TV series or should I watch the three movies? Which iteration is better? If you want, if you watch the movies, then oh, if you want to like relive it, um, I remember the movies being good. Still, like they have much better fight scenes, but of course, like I remember they cut out some ah. details. Uh, I don't remember exactly which because again, it's I saw the movies. The movies came out back in a time when like anime movies were not screening in a lot of theaters. I remember me and my friends like loaded up in a car on a school night in Texas and drove our asses out to Houston, which is like a two three hour drive from San Antonio, watched the double feature of the first two movies, drove oh our asses God. back that same night, and then went to <laughs> class the next morning. We were so into it because we wanted to oh, see them right, live. Right. That was just what, what you had to do to see worth? an anime movie back then. It was absolutely worth yeah. it. We had a great time. It was clo- it was close to the end of the week. I think it was like a Thursday or uh, So you could afford Wednesday to like Thursday, at least. Out. Yeah. So yeah, so we just suffered through the rest of the week. But yeah, I, I love that. So yeah, it, I remember enjoying the first two movies. I just remember also that they, for the, for the sake of time, they did have to cut out some neat details that the yeah. series had. Yeah, so it's like, up to one you. of the reasons I've I've been debating it is because I don't want to miss out on that great opening from the series. And that's, <laughs> well, they have their own. Yeah, but it's too. not going to be as good, is it? And, yeah, and that's, that's, true. that's true. That was the other thing is like, Monica introduced me to an evolving opening. I think that was the first show that I watched that had an evolving opening. And that was really mm. neat to see. And th- again, there was all that, all that investigative speculation mm. too. It's like, what does it mean? <laughs> What does this mean? Oh, man. It was, that was like, I'm not anywhere nearly involved in the kind of message boards of anime anymore, but that was definitely the peak of when I was. So speaking of pacing and Madoka being good at it, one show that wasn't as great at it, but it still turned out in spades. So spring 2011, Steins Gate hits Uh the airwaves. Nice. Yeah. So this was a show that I watched the first, I remember it came out as I was ending high school. And I watched like the first of two episodes of it. I'm like, I need to stop because I'm going to get hooked on this. And I can tell it's going to be a show that has cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger of episode. And I'm just going to want to blow through all of it. And so uh, waited on it. It finished after I like started going to college. And I just blew through it all in like my first weekend in college, basically. I was very glad I had waited because, boy, uh, 
It takes a while to get going, but Kyle, I know that you recently played through the visual novel and you, you're also more involved in the universe. You had watched Steins Gate Zero as well. So again, same question. Like, when did you get around to watching Steins Gate? I, I don't have never watched Steins Gate. I played the VM. Wait, what? <laughs> Damn I it, uh, Steins Gate. But, okay, okay. okay. So okay. Yeah, I, I still need to watch Steins Gate um, because I have a buddy of mine uh, who did because I recommended, like, like I really like the game. Like I, I love the story. I love the characters. It's one of my favorite series, um, and it's interesting. Honestly, like uh, I'd be interested to hear your experience from it. Um, even after everything had gotten released, because yes, I can see how an anime adaptation would more or less create a cliffhanger after cliffhanger kind of release schedule. In the game, mm -hmm. that works out really well because those moments of high tension, you're just sitting with that for like an hour mm -hmm. or two of like reading through other stuff, trying to like figure out how Okabe and his friends are going to like solve things. Um, so I actually like the cliffhangers because they don't, well, I, I wouldn't even call, they're not even cliffhangers in the game because you're not left waiting, you're left stewing. Right, yeah, it, it, it's not... Is the game divided into chapters? Yes, yes, it is divided into chapters. That happens. Okay. Yeah. Because even then, like, you can't have a cliffhanger within a game when you could just go on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't like, know what yeah. that was like. Like, even when it really... Like, even when it was fully released and you were watching it, like, just one after another, if that felt annoying. It, it never felt annoying to me, uh, for sure, because, like, again, it was just like, I gotta know what happens next, I gotta okay. know what happens next, I gotta but know But it does, it, like, every episode ends with, like, a, oh, what do we do now, kind of thing. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't say every single episode did, but it was, it was frequent okay. enough. Uh, and I think one of the biggest complaints of the Steins Gate anime is that it definitely starts off slower paced, where you have this guy throwing a banana in a microwave, and you're like... The fuck? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, what is the I point mean, of the... this? Yeah. Harry, have you seen Steins Yeah, a long time ago, though. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, and I have not watched rewatching so it since. So, this was an issue too. that my friend who watched the anime also had, um, and I honestly kind of had with the VN. And mm -hmm. I now see it's necessary and that it's an important part of the story and Okabe's character. Right. But. Right. Wow, he's really grating when you first meet him. Yeah, and it takes a long time. For a story about time travel, it takes a long time to get to said time travel. Mm. Uh, I think the first time Okabe, like, legitimately time travels, the first time, like, knowingly, is like, okay, this is what we're doing, is, like, five or six episodes into the anime. It is pretty yeah. late. That's, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's how I always found Steins Gate. Like, so I know a lot of people will say it's like one of the best animes ever made. I always found that like there were great moments to it, but there was just too much uh, sort of just bloated talking exposition scenes that just kind That's, of bogged it down for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that that is a bit of a complaint that I heard from my friend. Um, in that it does kind of. So I I, I get, like I understand the role that that serves, right? It's like it's to like mm -hmm. get you acquainted with Okabe, get him acquainted with his friends, and then build the build the story relationship between all of them so that you're invested in what happens to them and understand why Okabe goes to the lengths that he does, like, mm -hmm. as the series progresses and as things get progressively more fucked. 
Um, so I understand yeah. it. I get it. I don't know what it was like in the anime. In the VN, it was definitely a lot slower paced uh, because as VNs yeah, as usually, VNs are, usually yeah. are. So I, I it's weird because like I don't know so, how else yeah. you do that, and I think it, it it's necessary, but there is a hurdle to cross before you are sure that you enjoy the series. Right, and I think for me. Like, one is that I could just keep going through it, but even though Okabe was grading, he still had a oh, charisma yeah, yeah, yeah. to him, yeah. I felt like. Like, he was still he was still an entertaining nut job to watch at points. And what I really appreciate is that once they did finally get into the time travel aspect of it is how they, they framed the time traveling. Because, it, like, I don't need to tell you guys, time traveling gets so nutso sometimes. Like, in different kinds of stories, you can go so crazy with time travel. And I like how it's they kept got it simple one of the here. Tightest like, you have timeline A, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got, like, timeline A, you got timeline B, they're both fucked. You have a razor-slim chance of being on timeline C that isn't fucked. Find it. And that was something that you could easily wrap your head around. It's like, go too far one way or the other, and you're just gonna, it, you can't escape it. And I really liked how it kept it simple like that. and really built upon the struggle that Okabe went through. And I say that Higurashi is the most satisfying ending of an anime I've ever seen of all time. Steinsgate is a close second for me. Like, this... Uh, when you get to the end of the series and the fi his final lines are like, get ready for the longest week of your life or something like that, it holds so much mm. weight behind it because you saw just how much he struggled. Like, none of it was a given. None of it was like, this was just bound to happen eventually. Like, you saw all um, everything that you did, everything you thought he thought of to grab the tiniest possibility you could have I and think reach that what ending gives Steinsgate so much of its staying power is that it is one of the weebiest shows I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah. it's not just there as window dressing. Like, it actually is important yeah. to the story. Like, mm -hmm. the fact that they live yeah. in Akiba, um, they have, like, friends who work in maid cafes, uh, like, they're all, like, giant nerds. It's It gives a very nice sense, a very nice, comfortable sense of community within it. And that's like a large theme with uh, Steinsgate is the community and the relationships that are important to you. I think what's also masterful about the show is how much they choose not sh to show. Like the whole thing about Stern, we never see them in like a meaningful physical capacity. We see, I the, forget the names, but we see the, eight, the yeah, agent yeah, girl yeah. who like, we see her like assault and we see uh, Mr. Braun kind of uh, cooperate with them, but we never see like stern themselves like how like we don't see like a shadowy board of figures or anything like that it, it's just like this nebulous entity that will interfere and that seems like it would be a detriment to well no because story. they still However, have it kind of adds to the dread antagonist. Yeah. like the antagonist is time yeah. itself which is a lot more yeah. threatening mm, they, they still mm -hmm. make it work with the minimal elements they're playing with yeah yeah exactly yeah. right yeah and i think it's yeah it's it shows a degree of mastery when you know what to hold back on just as much what to show. Because that's one of the things that when I'm editing articles for Goomba Stomp, like that's one of the main edits, like cut yeah. this down, say more with less. Like you don't need to say I, so much. And that's something that I, I translates think one of the things well. that kind of was a bit irritating about Steinsgate for me was that like the first moment you get where there's real stakes at play is mm -hmm. halfway through the series. Mm -hmm. And that's when... Uh, I can't remember. I, I won't spoil anything, but the, the young girl's name, I can't remember her name. Um, mm, wow. Why am I? My, Mayuri. 
Makisi Kurusu or Tuturu Girl? Mayuru? Mayuri, right. Okay, so like there's a particular time-related thing that's that's causing a threat to her. And that's the first time where it feels like there's real stakes at play, where Mm. it's like, oh, fuck, like like things actually have a lot of narrative weight here. But that's at like episode 12, episode 13. And that's, and like, that's the thing. It's great in moments like that. It's so, so exciting and so investing. But those moments are few and far between. Again, the the finale is fantastic when, when like he's going back in time to try and save a particular person. Again, I don't want to be too specific, but um, again, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I just wish there was maybe a bit more of that and a bit less of the kind of filler Mm -hmm. in between. I wouldn't say it... it, it, It's hard because, like, I'd argue that the filler is necessary because you Mm -hmm. need to establish the characters. You need to establish why Okabe cares about them. Um, yeah, and we've talked about that before, like the necessity of yeah. filler sometimes. Yeah, like you episode, need yeah. those like dumb moments where they're just like being idiots at a maid cafe because like it gives their personality, it gives yeah. them, it gives them motivation. But but um, I guess and, what I'll say is so like I'm I think I mentioned it earlier during our technical break, but uh, I'm rewatching Attack on Titan currently, and one of the amazing things about season one is that so much of it is so action packed. Yet in all that action it's so character driven and you're learning so much about all the characters. And I think yeah. there's a, a really good way of balancing I, that, like really entertaining stuff with so fantastic character development. For I don't know how the anime was. Um, for the visual novel, I really, really, really appreciated how sci-fi it got because it did get very sci-fi. Uh, there yeah. was a lot of th- in-depth exploration about like time travel theories uh, and setting up the rules for how it was going to have time travel operate. Um, so I think there was that slow burn. That slow burn was a necessity. Yeah, I think that it's its greatest weakness, if you can even call it that, is that to fully enjoy Steins Gate, you have to have an overlap in taste that don't technically yes. overlap a lot. Yes, you do. Uh, which is, yeah, like action, sci-fi, and slice of life shenanigans. And that typically doesn't overlap in one viewer. It does for me and Harry, not Harry, me and Kyle, but not for a lot of people. And for the most part, people can get over that because the core story is so strong. However, when you aren't a fan of those kind of slice of life shenanigans, which, which I know Harry isn't mm. a kind of fan of that genre, those those moments yeah, can bog that's, down. That's probably right. It's probably like dependent on my taste more than the actual quality of to the show. To give another bit of perspective, you have, and I think like categorizing it as that trifecta of like, things that the show does really well and like what it has to offer, which is the sci-fi aspect, the action slash drama, and then the characters and slice of life, uh, just rom-com stuff. Uh, Steins Gate Zero kind of drops the sci-fi. <laughs> and as a result, I enjoyed it far less because it presents yeah, I still haven't watched Zero. AI and doesn't really do anything with it. I just felt like, yeah, I felt like, for how phenomenal Steinsgate was, there was just no possible way that there, Zero could I, follow I, we, up. I've gone over this repeatedly. Way. There was yeah. <laughs> definitely things it could have done. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Steinsgate is great. And I I yep. should probably check the anime out because I know that there's OVAs that also came out for it. Yeah. Hey, hey, yo, yo, oh, son of a bitch. That's all I yes. remember. You got to watch that in the sub. So what also could have been great and Uh-oh. wasn't, was a uh, Guilty Crown Fall of 2011. Have either I of you watched Guilty Crown I think I saw the before? first two episodes years ago 
And I, so I can't remember them very well at all. Um, and take it, like the fact that I only saw the first two episodes, it's obviously that it didn't invest me enough. I didn't feel that invested to continue, but uh, is it not very good? Right. Uh, well, <laughs> Kyle, have you seen it before? Show. You've never heard of it. Okay. Um, so this was a big deal when oh. it was coming out. And uh, I unfortunately closed the tab that I had open last episode that had all of its uh, credentials. But basically, it was a star-studded team that came together for this project. And it was hyped. So we were talking about how hype can be a detriment to oh, the anime industry. This is like exhibit A. So it was a production IG show okay. that uh, it was an anime original. And again, like coming hot off the heels of an anime original like Madoka, it's like, okay, get excited, peeps. And so... Uh, well, now oh my God. I'm curious about what I had. Is. I'm so mad that I lost <laughs> all... But basically they had all these super big names coming in to work on the show. Like some really big a really big name director. We had music by uh, Hiroyuki Sawano. We had uh, some people from the original Neon Genesis Evangelion working on it. Uh, we had uh, mech designs by, oh my God, I'm just falling flat on my face. Lots I'm of, so lots of famous people making it, like, basically. Lo- lots of really famous people, yeah. And it <laughs> flopped. It's got a, <laughs> yeah, it, it, okay it, rating. It's like a 7.1 on IMDb, 7.5 my anime list. But I guess, yeah. were you expecting like a 9 out of 10? Uh, at the time, I, I think people I, were. I, I don't know myself, if I yeah. call it a 7 out of 10 a flop. It just probably, okay, I haven't, I, I haven't seen the show. I have no idea what yeah. it's like. But yeah. like, um, is it at least decent? Oh, no. Okay, <laughs> um, so this was the first instance of the show that I watched where like, I had to accept that it wasn't oh, good. No. <laughs> it was one of those kinds of shows where I'm like, I want this to be good. I want it to be good. I want it to be good. And I kept giving it the benefit of the doubt. And then there was that one point that I'm just like, I can't. Like, this is just bad. What was the point it's that, just that bad. broke it for you? Uh, so, it's, again, I haven't watched oh, okay. it since 2011. But it was a 24-episode series. The basic premise is that there was some sort... There was an event that happened in the world called Lost Christmas where it basically released this virus out into the world and it killed a bunch of people. And so now we pick up a few years later where it's uh, back back under control, but like a lot of the world, <laughs> the, a lot of the world is in lockdown, which look at <laughs> oh. that. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Japan is kind of like back on its feet uh, due to the guidance of this new organization that has come up. And uh, our main character, Shu Oma, as in like Oma, as in king, uh, guilty crown, a crown, a king wears a crown, ha 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 ha. He meets this mysterious girl and he has the power to uh, reach into people and extract weapons from them, basically, based on their personality because it's a virus. And he joins this underground resistance to uh, go against the big organization and they fight. And the reason that it flopped, or not, I shouldn't say it flopped, the reason that it fell apart (laughs) is that oh man i'm i'm really it's been so long it's been nine almost 10 years now since i watched it 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 tried to raise the stakes when there were no stakes to begin with mm. many times and it tried to it it had a lot of moments 
where it's like, look what look what's happening to this character that I know you love and adore this character, right? I'm like, I that is what, oh, that's character. one of the most hated like, things what, what, when shows or any kind of story like assumes that you care about something, and it'll have like a really emotional scene of these characters are crying, and you're just thinking, I don't care about any of these characters. It's one of the reasons why the live action Cats movie was so bad. Um, that's a specific example. Oh, that's know, the reason it was bad. I, there was, was a lot of reasons it was reasons bad. It was bad. Um, like many, many reasons. But uh, I actually saw it because uh, my ex wanted to see it. Uh, that's why she's my ex. No, it's not really. No, um, but but no, it, it's it's awful. But uh, yeah, it's really weird because there's a lot of times when it wants you to feel something without making you like or care for any of the terrible fucking characters. Um, but this isn't a review of cats, obviously, but the point is, yeah, I hate that in any kind of story. Yeah, and there was there's a point that happened in the story where like a big shakeup of the events happen and like everything changes and like allegiances change and our main character, oh my shoe, my shoe on my foot, uh he he's traumatized, he becomes like a different, completely different person. It's like and again, it's like, now feel bad for him. It's like, oh, why? I didn't care for him before. And I care for him even less the way he is now, how mm. much of an asshole he is. And just like a complete disregard for human life, basically. It was just a very nonsensical story. And the ending made no sense whatsoever. It brought in a completely new character in the very last episode that <laughs> had I had no clue how he fit into everything. It's I really wish I could give a more nuanced elegant response for why this show is so bad but it has been so long since i watched it that i couldn't say however i will say i will say it has one of the single best characters in anime history being dan eagleman which is like the stereotypical (laughs) american literally he's just this guy in a in a uh a varsity jacket with like blonde hair blue eyes and so there's he's on the enemy enemy side and there's a part where uh omashu's group is doing something on a cruise ship and so Dan Eagleman's like, take them, take them down, take them down. And his team's like, no, we only have air, air to, or land to air missiles. Like, well, turn them on their sides then. So they turn the missiles what? on their sides and fires them That's at pretty the good. team. It's just like, That's oh my good. God, you're the best. And then he dies oh. like the next episode. It's just like, okay, well, oh. there goes any investment oh. I had in this series. Hopefully they make a Dan um, Eagleman spinner. But it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't meant to be wacky loony like that. Mm. Like that's the thing it's, um, it went right back to being like really serious nonsense. And then there was like really out of place fan service on top of that. Oh my God. It had really good music. It had really, really good music because it's here. So, so you review good music, but, good Dan Eagleman, bad everything else. <laughs> really, good really good animation. Really good animation, but then bad really everything good animation. else. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you yeah. know. I really wish one of you had watched this. Uh, because well, I, I believe you. Sure. And it sounds like starting the 2010s, it's a mixed bag. We, we've got some great stuff, but then that's kind of bogged well, down by Guilty Crown. you know Crown. what? Everybody remembers Madoka and Steinsgate. Yeah. Nobody remembers yeah. Guilty Crown. Except Matt, because yeah. he's a freak. Uh, Except okay. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to wrap up the segment, we won't go all the way into this, but some other noteworthy shows that came out this year was uh, Fate Zero came out which is debatably my favorite show of all time. It's, it's up against Great Pretender now. I still have to decide if that's dethroning it, but it, it's the lone example of how the Fate series doesn't have to be a convoluted mess, and it can be really cool and make sense and have stakes and investment in it. Uh, also that year was uh, the Hunter x Hunter oh. remake started. That's when that started. 
don't need to say more about that. People love it. I haven't seen the remake. I've only seen the original. Um, Future Diary also oh, came out. That was a 2011 show? Okay. That was a 2011 mm-hmm. show, yep. Um, Blue Exorcist started in the spring of 2011. Shihaya Furu also started fall of 2011. I can't believe it's been that long. It's a wild, inspiring show. Highly recommend. And then Anohana also oh, happened God. spring 2011. So it was, was it a was a very year. packed year. Yeah, it was a depressing year. It was a very packed year of high quality things that we unfortunately can't talk mm. all about. But yeah, it's uh, I was sweating when I was putting it together. <laughs> like, oh man, we got a lot to talk about. But boy, is the next year is when the Fire Nation attacked. Let Ooh. me tell you, 2012 is the year the Fire Nation attacked with three letters. I'll leave uh, you with that cliffhanger for next time. DNA. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm out of, I'm a- out of letters. AOT Attack on Titan. Mentioned that a few times nope. this episode. It's just because I'm rewatching MHA, it. My Hero. I could, I don't nope. know what other acronyms are there. Come on, man. Um, Harry, Harry, you got to help me out here. If you don't, if you don't get it, we're just gonna have well, to wait till next episode. All right, so we're no, gonna end off with no, that. Tell now. us. Thank you for joining us all. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can end it. Just like I'm gonna be thinking about this. I don't want to mm. think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This this is your homework, listeners, mm. as well. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, while you think about that, thank you for joining us all. So, Harry. What do you want to promote Ooh, as the lovely co-host um, of this podcast, this episode? I would say check out Code Vein if you want a good game. Oh, no. And I also say check out Spiritfarer, which I played. Spiritfarer I, is wonderful. I oh, played yeah. recently. I 100%ed yeah. it and I wrote a review on Goomba Stomp. Uh, check oh, check nice. out my review. It's a positive review. I liked it a lot. Uh, a very lovely game. I've, I, it's it's probably uplifting. my favorite game I've played all year, which is interesting because like, there's been a lot of big games releasing, but they've all disappointed me. They've all like not quite met my expectations except Spiritfarer, which I just bought on a whim and I played it spontaneously and I loved it. It was really, really cool. So yeah, check it. I love those like those purchases where you just get it on a whim. Like I had a game called Stella Glow on the 3DS. Just got it on a whim. And yeah, it I, I love it when that happens. It's the same with like an anime series again, when like you could be like, oh, I'm so excited for this new series. And when you check it out and it's just like underwhelming, but then one that you just stumble mm-hmm. across randomly, you just love. So yeah. All right, Kyle, what would you like to promote on this lovely, uh, let's see here, it's still morning it for still you, morning. barely, for six more minutes. <laughs> coming out and stuff, but what what would I promote? Um, nothing anime related, unfortunately. Oh, watch Tsuki Gakure. I'm watching that with my brother, and it's a really, really <laughs> cute rom-com about middle schoolers, which is what we don't... I wouldn't call it a rom-com. I think it's just a... I would just call her yeah. wrong. Okay, that's does, fair. Does, that's your, fair. Yeah, it is. does your brother still listen to our podcast? Sometimes. Oh, so hello, hello Kyle. What, what's his now. name again? His name's Noah. Hello, Noah. I remember like, was it two years ago or something he was on our podcast? Yeah. Ah, hello, Noah. How are you doing? Hope, you've, been, hope you've enjoyed COVID. He <laughs> has. He's been in his dorm room. Ah. He's going to college ah. for the past few months. Nice. But, yeah. Uh, we've been watching Suki Gakure, and it is, yeah, it is just, a, I don't know why I said rom-com. I think I just have the word rom-com on the brain. Uh, it is a romance yeah. story, but it's very cute, um, and it is a very endearing look at middle schoolers that I feel like hasn't, I've never seen before with anime. So it's really, it's, it yeah. does a really good job of capturing the feel of being in middle yeah, school. Yeah, I, at least. No. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Ahead, it's, rather, it's a very it's a very good show at like capturing feelings 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I just, I felt like they were tiny bit too mature for middle schoolers. It, they felt a bit really too, mature, too mature, so, mature, especially towards, oh, towards the, the end. end. Yeah, like yeah. We're, we're, we're out, we're yeah, like, towards I the think, end. Like yeah. five or six episodes in, and they feel believably awkward and cringy. Yeah, I feel like the exact, they could have done the exact same thing in high school. Um, and like the things that happen later on in the story would be a little bit more believable. Okay, later I, I on enjoyed, the story. Okay, yeah. Because it's it, like yeah. r- right yeah, now I, where I'm at, they, it's like, yeah, they feel like 13 year olds. They're like dumb kids. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think also it's hard to believe, like, can you really fall in love that early? I'm not sure about this. But yeah, that's, that's my personal complaint or criticism. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I would like to promote my Twitch channel. That is on twitch.tv slash musingmojack, where I just finished streaming uh, Resident you Evil 7 oh, nice. for my first debut. Yeah, I finished it. It was a much shorter game than I expected. It was only really? eight and a half hours. Oh, but there is a lot of extra content that is still, like, very much related to the main story. But, yeah, I'm going – I right now I am working on my, – my schedule is going to be streaming on Mondays and Fridays, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that is going to be – what I'm shooting for weekly at the very least. And along the way, I might be doing some guerrilla streams as well. So check me out on there. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to be streaming next, but uh, we'll, I'll figure it out. And then you can follow me on Twitter at, at MusingMojak, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K, where I will also update you on any schedule that I'm streaming. My current goal is to hit affiliate by the end of the month. It is a very ambitious goal. Do it. But I have 21. Do it. Hmm, what? Just do yes. it. Yes. <laughs> do it. I am. I will. Just do it. Shiloh, channel the inner Shiloh Buff. Currently, currently at 21 followers, need 39 more to hit affiliate. So, um, yeah, go check it out the channel. Tell me what you like. And can I you really uh, can you give support. people any teasers? For now, what games might you be playing in future? Right, that's the thing. I have to now that I fin- I wasn't expecting to finish Resident Evil Eight or Seven <laughs> so fast, so I have to think. But yeah, I, I when I was debuting, it was between RE Seven and Code Vein. So maybe I will go to Code Vein next. Uh, I was thinking about maybe going back to Atelier Ryza now that the sequel is on the horizon. I still haven't finished the original. Uh, might play some Genshin Impact as well. I, I really should play a Weeb game, though. I really should, especially since I've got an Ina Taco on my Twitch overlay right now. But yeah, little little sneak yeah. peek on that. So stay tuned and hope maybe one day you'll see me on Hollow Stars EN Generation. Play Final Fantasy XIV. So oh, that's an option. That's a, that's a possibility. React to Interspecies Reviewers. But yeah. <laughs> do that. Do that while you play Final Fantasy XIV. Oh my god. I'm not sure if I'd be able to make an in- uh, entertaining reaction <laughs> to that. But yeah, thank you. For now, you can support me on Twitch later, but thank you for supporting us now by listening to our podcast all the way through this hour and 38 minute endeavor. And we will see you next time. Ciao.